Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. As we continue with our walk through the book of Isaiah, today we're going to be in a passage that talks about a situation that we all face, and that is our temptation to trust in uh, comfortable fantasies, cozy fantasies, rather than in hard truths. And so we're going to look at this in chapter 28 of Isaiah, verses 5 through 16, where we read this. Then at last, the Lord of heaven's armies will himself be Israel's glorious crown. He will be the pride and joy of the remnant of his people. He will give a longing for justice to their judges. He will give great courage to their warriors who stand at the gates. Now, however, Israel is led by drunks who reel with wine and stagger with alcohol. The priests and prophets stagger with alcohol and lose themselves in wine. They reel when they see visions and stagger as they render decisions. Their tables are covered with vomit. Filth is everywhere. Who does the Lord think we are? They ask. Why does he speak to us like this? Are we little children just recently weaned? He tells us everything over and over, one line at a time, one line at a time, a little here and a little there. So now God will have to speak to this people through foreign oppressors who speak a strange language. God has told his people, here is a place of rest. Let the weary rest here. This is a place of quiet rest. But they would not listen. So the Lord will spell out his message for them again, one line at a time, one line at a time, a little here and a little there, so that they shall stumble and fall. They will be injured, trapped, and captured. Therefore, listen to this message from the Lord, you scoffing rulers in Jerusalem. You boast, we have struck a bargain to cheat death and have made a deal to dodge the grave. The coming destruction can never touch us, for we have built a strong refuge made of lies and deception. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look. I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is a verse uh, at the end here that should probably be familiar. Um, uh, a number of places refer to it in the New Testament. Both Paul and Peter uh, reference this. Uh, so we start off here with this promise that God is going to make things right in the end. But in the meantime, uh, there are some barriers in the way. And one of them is that the leadership itself, even the religious leadership, is really working against God. They're kind of uh, stuck in their own lies. They think they've uh, created their own path forward. They're not willing to listen to God. They're even complaining that God is treating them like children, giving them rudimentary instructions uh, line by line. Instead, they want to uh, craft their own path. And it reminds me of how King Ahaz didn't want to listen to Isaiah. But whatever the specific situation here is, I, I think these these people seem to trust in their cleverness. They seem to think that they can somehow cheat death or maybe live in, you know, without thinking about it, that they can uh, substitute cleverness for faithfulness. And so in many ways, I see them wanting to trust in the comforting lies that they tell themselves rather than the hard truth that God is trying to give them. Um, but, you know, a hard truth that may be not comfortable in the moment also makes a really solid foundation to build on. And in verse 16, it speaks of this, this cornerstone, this rock, this image that's going to be, you know, in, in it's, it's used this way in, in Isaiah, it's used in Daniel. In Psalm 118, it talks about the stone that the builders have rejected becoming the chief cornerstone, which is precisely an image that, that Jesus calls back to. 
Um, but here in verse 16, the way uh, Isaiah puts it is, look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Um, I, I love the contrast of this to, uh, we didn't read verse 20, but I love the contrast of verse 20 where it says that like basically speaking about the lies that people are telling themselves, it says the bed you have made is too short to lie on. The blankets are too narrow to cover you. Uh, you know, when we try to comfort ourselves with anything but the truth, in the end, it's destined to come up short. It's like being in a bed that's too short or or blankets that are too narrow to cover you, which still for me is a strong image, you know, for all those times that my little kids couldn't go to sleep and I had to like crawl into bed with them in their little short beds or when they would come into my bed and like they pull the covers off. And, you know, I think as an adult here, um, speaking more of God's truth rather than blankets, I think, you know, there is a time, there are times when I fear that God's word is going to come up short, you know, when, especially when there's uh, a lot of people and, and maybe even some scholars who are attacking uh, the Bible and a lot of the underpinnings, like when people are scholars and archaeologists are saying there's 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 no evidence that the Israelites were present in Canaan in great numbers at the time that the Bible says they were there. Um, they'll point out that uh, there was no uh, Canaanite language for the Hebrews to write down these things. Um, but then, you know, someone comes across with an actual discovery that counters their speculation. And in just the past couple of years, really, I think it's two years now, there's been this discovery of what appears to be uh, Joshua's altar on Mount Ebal. And it's constructed just like it said the altar would be constructed as steps, which means it has the ramp rather than steps, like the altar is supposed to be constructed. And in uh, this altar, they found a lead tablet, small lead tablet, that uh, you can't open it without destroying it, but they can use these uh, uh, scanners to look inside. And inside they find the name of Yahweh written in proto-Canaanite script from something like the 12th century BC. So they're talking about a, a that what appears very much to be the uh, altar that is described in Joshua in the book of Joshua with a script that supposedly didn't exist at the time, written by people that supposedly weren't there at the time. Me personally, I find some comfort in this because sometimes I find myself feeling like, oh, I wonder if God's word is going to come up short when I see all these uh, very intelligent critiques. But I see also then when I look further, there's a long history of these kind of critiques. And I see time and time again, evidence pointing more and more to the reliability of the scriptures that we have been given. And so in any way, for me, that is uh, something that is uh, a constant uh, comfort and a reminder that the, the the bed is not too short and the, and the blanket is not too small. It will cover me. God's word is a good foundation to build on. Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage today. You know, the thing that jumps out at me is um, the, the way that God is going to save them has a couple of interesting features to it. Uh, I think most of us, or at least maybe it's just me, I don't think so. If I think of God saving me, it means God taking me from a bad situation and instantly making it good, right? Just sort of like, like a, I don't know, in the in the a Superman cartoon. I mean, you know, it's it's just that simple. Um, but the way that salvation looks here is uh, one of the examples. Verse six, uh, he gives a longing for justice to their judges, and and which is of course implying that right now their judges are motivated by something different, but that their judges would be longing for justice. And I, I think in our own day, how much our judges are influenced by political kind of influences and ideology, but not necessarily justice. Uh, and so that 
people will purposely put things into one court or another because they know how the <laughs> that court tilts this way and this court tilts the other way. And you think, well, that, that's, that's not the way it ought to be. That you know, the, and, and of course, the Supreme Court has become so politicized. Um, and then at verse seven, now, however, Israel is led by drunks who reel and want with wine and stagger with alcohol. The priests and the prophets stagger with alcohol and lose themselves in wine. They reel when they see visions and stagger as they render decisions. The tables are covered with vomit and filth is everywhere. And there's just this a crisis, a failure of leadership. You know, God had appointed humans to rule over all of creation, and yet we can't even rule justly over one another. And, you know, I look at our own leaders today, and I'm not sure that I actually have no reason to know, but I don't have any reason to believe that they're necessarily a bunch of drunks. Uh, but I do think that they're under the influence, uh, maybe not of alcohol, um, but under the influence of money and of kind of longing for status, um, the uh, you, you know, kind of personal security. I think there's all these other things that are influencing our leaders beyond justice, beyond virtue, beyond serving, you know, all, all this kind of stuff, ruling in the way that God wanted us to rule, to bring human flourishing. And, and so that God's way of saving is actually going to be a transformation of leadership. Uh, and I just think that's a, a very interesting idea. And goodness knows, I, I long for that, you know, in all of the nations of the earth today, because we see how corrosive bad leadership can be uh, and, and, and long for people who, it's not that they would identify as Christians. I think that's kind of so oftentimes Christians say, oh, we just want people who well, are on the Christian team. No, no, I don't want people on the Christian team per se. I want people who are on the human team in the sense that they actually want good, right? I want people who are on the justice team. Uh, that, you know, that, that, that I, and I, I would hope all Christians would be that. My experience tells me not everybody who, who kind of stands under that flag necessarily shares those values. And I think, well, what is it that influences me beyond just a longing for human flourishing? a longing for people to have fullness in Christ. What else influences me that actually might make me one of these you know, corrupt and corrosive kind of, of leaders? Uh, and I think that's that spirit of, of repentance that all of us need to be having all the time, right? Lord, you know, we, we pray and, and ask, search me, right? See if there's any hurtful way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, and I, I think that is so important for all of us as, as believers to be praying that regularly, but especially for those of us with any kind of authority, whether it's in a church or in your home or in, in your company, that, that we would be influenced by, by virtuous things rather than by unvirtuous things, which I think so, are so easily the things that we, we uh, um, you know, can be given or be influenced by. And and the last thing, I just, I think it's such an interesting, what they're complaining about in verse 10 and then again later, he tells us everything over and over, one line at a time, one line at a time, a little here, a little there. Are we little children? And and I, how many times have I had a conversation with people, very earnest, strong believers, who really are longing for God to speak to them about something, right? Give them direction about something. And they pray and they pray and they, you know, they ask and they ask. And they come and meet with me. They want God to give them a new word. And, and my, my question in many cases is, have you obeyed the stuff that God has told you already? Because 
if you're not obeying the stuff that God has told you already, I'm not sure why you'd expect God to tell you the next thing. And, and I see so many Christians who are hoping, well, the next thing should be actually really helpful. I, I, that one I want to, to obey. Those other ones, those are annoying. Those don't seem important. And, and yet I think that we disconnect revival from obedience. Mm. And when we have obedience to what God has already said, then there's a possibility of revival of God actually showing up and saying something new and leading us in these fresh ways that are that are, are built on that initial obedience. And so I think for so many people longing for revival, and I say, no, 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 let's long for obedience. Let's long for submission and, and humility. Let's long for trust in what God has already said. It's not hard to figure out. It's hard to live out, right? That's actually what the hard thing is. And, and yet... It's so easy for us to get all excited about the mysteries and and miss the simplicity of obedience and trust. Hmm. And I think that so much is, is what Israel was missing, right? They want more and more and more complex things from God. And yet he's trying to treat them as children because they're not even doing the simple obedience that children need to learn to do. Yeah. That reminds me of the uh, our uh, InterVarsity director in my InterVarsity fellowship in college, when I first became a believer and, you know, I had so many questions and of course, a lot of the other college students did too, and especially about direction in life. And, and he kept saying something very similar saying, you know, you're, you're confused about a lot of things, which is, which is fine. We all are, but you're clear on some things. Are you sure that you're taking care of what you're clear on first? Like spend your efforts there and, and maybe you'll find that the things that are unclear will become clear uh, because there's a lesson there that you need to learn first. And so that, that's always really stuck with me. Amen. Sounds very similar to what you learned. Well, John, why don't you close us a prayer today? I would love to. Our good and gracious God, we thank you that you don't leave us lost in mystery, um, but instead you give us clear things to obey. And, and some of the clearest are the ones that are so hard to love one another as you love us, to, to forgive one another as you have forgiven us, uh, to be humble, to be teachable. Uh, Lord, to, to seek you first rather than ourselves. Help us to uh, live into the truth you give us, especially the truth about the one who is that chief cornerstone, that stone on whose life we can truly build as a foundation and will never be put to shame or put or disappointed. We thank you for Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. In whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Friends, we're so glad you've been with us today, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow as we continue to learn from God's word.